have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. All right, we're breaking the mold here tonight, folks, on Astral Radio Z. I normally don't talk about television, but... I have kept my mouth shut for far too fucking long about the phenomena that is Stranger Things. I watched the first season. I binged it like every other red-blooded American that that sits <laughs> and rubs their genitals to the 80s nostalgia. <laughs> Amanda and I sat in it and, and we like devoured this shit. Um, the first episode, we watched it. We looked over at each other, and I don't know if it was the marijuana or it was the show, but we were like, yes, <laughs> let's watch another. <laughs> <laughs> and we binge watched it and loved that first season. Now, a year later, they made another season. We've seen it, and Daniel from the Night Keep is here to sit and break it down and talk to me about Stranger Things season two. Daniel, how you doing tonight, my friend? Oh, dude, I'm doing great. How you doing, Derek? I am doing good. Uh, as I said on the last episode, I, I'm finally moved into my new house. I, I'm, I'm feeling nice and comfy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, it's very quiet here where I'm living, which is nice. Um, as the older that I get, the less and less I want people around me. That's it. <laughs> So I'm I'm loving it here so far. And uh the girls, my uh my daughters seem to like this place. So it's a win-win. It, it's it's great. So uh thank you. Thank you very much. How has your life been? I mean, you just released another record for the Night Keep. Why don't you uh do a quick shill for the people? Uh uh yeah, on October 28th, we, I say we, yeah, I released as I guess I'm the creative head for the Night Keep. Uh, you can go to nightkeep.com and find out more about that or go to nightkeep.bandcamp.com, but uh we released our newest album Shade of Night, which is a nice little it was meant to be fun. The operative word for this album is just fun. We made <clears throat> um we made our own folklore. We made our own haunted history using a real life place, Silver Bluff, which is five minutes from here, from where I live. And we just kind of, it was an experiment in storytelling where we made our own little folklore and did a little found footage haunted house adventure of sorts using, of course, your voice, Derek, and your show, <laughs> Astro Radio Z, <laughs> as it <laughs> takes place in 1984. And uh, we used other voices, too. So you'll listen to uh, Shade of Night. You'll recognize Scott and Mark. And you'll recognize Angelique. And, uh, of course, you'll recognize your host with the most, Derek. It's just, yeah. Hobo, hobo, hobo. <laughs> it's a typical Night Keep Fair. It's got some synth wavy stuff. It's got some uh, orchestral stuff, some over-the-top pompous orchestral music. And it's also got a little bit of dark ambient and a little bit of metal and a nice little credit song surprise at the end. I wanted to do it. This one, I wanted it to be an homage to, you know, 80s direct-to-video movies. So the way the album plays out, you know, it's one part audio drama, one part soundtrack. So whenever you 
turn it on and listen to it. You're going to hear where you would see the title card. You're going to hear the soundtrack to it. And then you're going to hear prologues and you're going to hear the cut scenes and then you'll hear the credit song at the end. So anyway, go to Bandcamp and look up the night keep or you can go to nightkeep.com and find the links there. Well, not to toot our horns, but before we get into stranger things, which fits right into the night keep, the last two night keep records, sounded like there was a little bit of stranger things mixed into them with the synth wave uh, type stuff that you do on these records. We're going to play a little night keep here. Uh, we're going to take a little break. We're going to play some night keep. Dan, what song do you want to play here for the folks? Well, since you were nice enough to do Southbound last time, let's try Haunted Manor. Right, folks. Take a listen to Haunted Manor and Shade of Night that you can pick up on Bandcamp.com forward slash the night keep. Go pick this up right now. It is cheap and all the proceeds go straight to charity. So you can't go wrong. And you get to listen to your favorite radio show ever, Astro Radio Ziana. I know. I know you stay up and listen to every single episode of my podcast over and over and over and over again. So now you get a whole record of it. So go <laughs> listen to it. So here we go. We're going to take a quick break, listen to The Haunted Manor, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Stranger Things with some boots and pants.
So, Dan, when you first heard of Stranger Things and you finally got around to watching it, how did it live up to the tremendous hype for you? Oh, holy shit, dude. Um, I had heard of it and just didn't watch it. As we had talked you know, earlier about video games and stuff, was, I have a hard time making time to catch up on shows and movies. So for the most part, I just end up reliving the past, you know, watching old movies that I've already seen because I know they're good and I don't have to waste my, worry about wasting my time <laughs> on something yeah. that's going to suck, you know. But as of late, with this golden age of television, this what not golden, it's like this renaissance we've had of what people call TV, but is what just more accurately described as serialized drama. And it's just because, you know, the shows have been unfettered by the regulations on normal syndicated television and they're not, you know, shackled with the hour and a half feature length type time restraints in a movie theater so we get or content or being shackled by and being restricted by what content they exactly. could show exactly and it you know all dovetails down with the the rise of the indies and stuff and just all of this culminates together to where we're starting to now and this is just the beginning of seeing more and more content like this because now our generation we are the ones making the content and so we're seeing a lot of our past reflected in this content, which is the rise of synthwave and why we see things like this. So Stranger Things is just one of those magical times that hit at the right place at the right time. And when I heard about it, I didn't know what it was. I had a couple of people mention it to me. It's like, you seen Stranger Things? I was like, nah, I haven't, whatever. I had a cousin of mine. He lives in Myrtle Beach. Text me and said, Have you seen Stranger Things? I was like, nah, should I? And he was like, dude, you really need to. And, uh, and whenever he just texts me out of the blue like that, I'm going to pay attention. So sure. sure enough, I turned it on last summer, season one, and binged the whole series <laughs> on a Sunday. All Yeah, it's kind of hard not to, right? Yes, it was. And it would just, I mean, from the moment it kicks and then you hear the soundtrack and it's like, oh, holy shit. You know, it's like using a Juno synthesizer. What the hell is this? And then you see the font and it looks like the Needful Things font and all the other Stephen King book fonts that you would see growing up. And then it just takes place in the 80s. So everything, not even intentional Easter eggs, it's just the set pieces and everything were just so perfectly done to capture that time. And yeah, just I was hooked. <laughs> and like you did, you know, I binged the entire season and couldn't wait for season two. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you, when you're talking about fonts, not that credit sequence, the opening credit sequence, mm -hmm. and that it is one of the most perfectly tuned things that I've seen in a long time. It like encapsulates the entire mood and feel and the simplicity of how credit sequences were at that time. Yes. We didn't have all these fancy credit sequences that were meticulously edited and had all these overlay effects and all this other. No, it was usually just text. Yeah. On a screen. <laughs> Case showing my stuff. Uh subspecies. I just watched my subspecies collections on Blu-ray. The titles are it's a good thing the soundtrack is wonderful. It's a <laughs> because yeah. Those subspecies credits are just just that. <laughs> it's just <They're> nothing. <laughs> Especially as genre fans, that usually the vast majority of the shit out of the seventies and eighties are just a black background with white text or red text on it. Cool thing with Stranger Things is like because I heard some people, and they're all contrarians. If you don't like this show, you're just an ass. That's all there is to it. 
<laughs> oh boy, you and I are going to have some words <laughs> coming up, but go ahead. But, you know, whenever you see the title card, I could tell that they had overlaid the smudges. Because you'll hear some people, cinema purists, are talking about that. It's like, well, why are they using a filter on there if they want to make it look? Because it's created in After Effects, you dipshit. And that's, I I love it. You had said it before. The opening credit sequence is because the simplicity is what makes it brilliant. And the music. Whoever they got to mix, I forget like who actually composed it. And I don't know if he did the mix and master too. But you are correct. The level the sound levels of that title sequence and everything are absolutely perfect. So much so that even the compression, whenever you hear that last low pass filter come in with that last little arpeggiation and it doesn't overpower anything. I mean, it's, uh, they just, it is absolutely brilliant. The (laughs) ultimately the music in that whole series is when I saw that title sequence, I knew I was hooked. (laughs) I was hoping the story was going to be good because I was in it for the whole thing. (laughs) Just well, they they grab you right away with that. And the thing is you have this, this amazing neon text and we're focusing on this credit sequence. There's a reason because this thing, you didn't even, the opening of the, the original stranger thing, it's kind of like a X Files episode almost, yes. like ET mixed with X Files, and that's essentially what this show is, and mixed with Stephen King world. Yeah, but that once it hits that credit sequence, there's something that it triggers such nostalgia, mm-hmm. like it, it hits it so well. And I've not heard a lot of people say this, but the moment I saw this, I immediately turned to Amanda and said, "What I'm about to say to you." Uh-oh. When the white text hits, that is the same font that they use in A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Holy shit. And every single time when I saw that, I immediately looked at Amanda. I'm like, holy shit. They're using the Nightmare on Elm Street 3 font. Holy shit. (laughs) I knew I had seen it or like styles of that font. And, you know, because... it's kind of like, well, I don't know, like cool guys have always been like, yeah, you look at the grill in that car, you can tell what your Chevy that is. It's like, fuck off. No, you can't. But as a nerd, I can look at certain fonts <laughs> and tell you what movie that was from or what. Well, if you look at the indentation on the back yeah. end of that R, you can tell it came from yeah, The kerning is doing this and blah, blah. No, <laughs> but you're right. You're, I never as creatives, that. We get that. Yeah. As creatives, we look at that stuff. And I noticed that like immediately and the reason why that like hit me in such like it hit my inner child in such a way is because i had a nightmare on elm street 3 on a dubbed vhs for years as a kid dude i bet that killer and i watched it over (laughs) and over and over and over to the point where after um on that vhs they had because i had made a dub off of a rental copy um tape to tape of course oh yeah um on that vhs after the movie they had the doc and dream warrior song yes and on that, i watched that so many times there was a point in it um that the tape warbled <laughs> <laughs> I just kept watching it over and over and over again. So the moment Stranger Things all of a sudden popped that font, on a very subconscious level, I was hooked. Oh, it was. 
I wanted to see what it was because I immediately I felt like I was watching something as a child. That, yeah, dude, season one, scene one, whenever it pans into the house and you see what are the kids doing down in the basement playing Dungeons and fucking Dragons. Welcome to my right. life. I mean, I'm a grown ass man doing the same thing, but I was doing at that age. So, yeah, I can completely relate with you <laughs> when you talk about the font and just the way it. Yeah, just everything about it was absolutely perfect. <laughs> that was why I was season two. I couldn't wait. I And I had to wait to binge it. A lot of people, some people were, you know, watching it like once a day or, you know, they would try to space it out a little bit. Oh, hell no. I was going to take this thing on like a Golden Corral buffet. <laughs> so I had to make sure the time was right. <laughs> you you got your two chairs ready so nobody would sit next to you. You could be as fat ass as you wanted. Dude. Get all the Salisbury steak. Get all the fucking lasagna. Get all all the that crap that they make at Golden Corral. Oh shit! I took my girls there one. Oh my god, they didn't even like that fucking food. There were no even survivors. Like oh dude, you ain't <laughs> let me throw down at a buffet. It gets just yeah. So yeah, with Stranger Things, I knew this was going to be an all day affair. <laughs> so I had to wait a couple of weeks to actually watch it. You know, just to make sure I had that I could be undisturbed <laughs> for this season because it means it just like you said from. The opening credits, I knew it was going to be something special, whether I totally enjoyed it or not. And there are things that I like, things that I don't. As with anything, doesn't matter. On the whole, this is one of the greatest shows ever on media devices right now. It, it is what it is. And if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you, Dan. I love you. Um. So let's before we get into talking about the second season, let's let's talk about some of the things that you liked and you didn't like about Stranger Things. If there was anything you didn't like, what was it? Hmm, I'm trying to th and this is more personal taste. Like when I really because I it's cool. The show just kind of sticks with you as you think about the story and stuff as I really think about just personal tastes. I don't like the science as much as I like the supernatural, which is surprising because the, the, the science aspect, because as we had talked about before, the X files right. is kind of like a very much a part of this. Right. And it, and again, that's, that's why I want to be careful whenever I say it, because again, it in no way am I knocking anyone for, you know, what they might like. And in no way am I knocking the show and it's just trying to do my personal thinking, like things I personally didn't like, was it was basically it's the science whenever when i watch a movie <clears throat> my favorite killer if you stand toe-to-toe -to -toe, and i'm not talking about the best movie i'm saying what am i going to prefer to watch halloween nightmare on elm street friday the 13th hellraiser i'm gonna pick hellraiser or something super i'm gonna pick hellraiser or a later friday the 13th you follow me because jason's a oh, zombie yeah. there was a certain point like the earlier friday the 13th they were cool for what they were but at part five is where you got my interest, where he comes back from the dead. He, the motherfucker is dead. He is from hell. <laughs> He's a demon from hell. And that's just, <laughs> that's the way I like it. So in Stranger Things, at first, whenever it was kind of, it's almost like the way I read Lovecraft too, is that at first I'm thinking of, you know, this malevolent force, this intentionally evil force. 
Whereas as it kind of plays out, it just ends up kind of like Cloverfield, where it's not necessarily a malevolent entity who just crash lands on Earth to bring Satan's legions. It was just Cthulhu's pet dog that got loose, landed on Earth, and started walking around pissing on all the fire hydrants and stuff. <laughs> and, and, it's, and it was a halfway, halfway decent looking CGI creature. Yes, it was. And, you know, that's with Stranger Things because you can tell that, you know, it's borrowing really, you can smell the Stephen King coming from it. Oh, yeah. Fortunately, there's no child gangbang scenes in it, but you can smell <laughs> And that's it's just, implied. I, it's definitely implied. I like it. I, I really do. But it's kind of like comparing Silent Hill with The Mist. I'm going to go with Silent Hill because I like malevolence. I like not the movie, but the the video game. Yeah, the, e- even if you went the movie, you know, I like I like malevolence. I like a hell world, and you know, the upside down. It just the way that it kind of eventually ended up being was just like, well, it's just an upside down world, you know, and they're just. It's a creature there. You know, he's just his own natural habitat and stuff. Fuck that. I want something evil. <laughs> well, that's that's what ultimately, I mean, once we get into season two, I think that becomes even more present is that the first season, the upside down, this this flip side world uh, in which they go to try and find this rift that's been opened between these two dimensions and they go to try to find uh, the one boy. Right. Um, Will. And uh they go there and you never really get a grasp of what it is. And when you, you kind of do, it's just like one creature walking around and it just, that was a little disappointing to me. There wasn't really much that I didn't like about the first season. You're right. And that was, again, that was just me slightly nitpicking because ultimately the mystery of the upside down was enough to keep me compelled to watch it. You see what I'm saying? Even if that, the one, the demigorgon, was just a critter off doing his own natural habitat thing. There was still an evil aura about the upside down that they only teased even more <laughs> later on and stuff. So the Lovecraftian elements are all there. And it, 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 like I said, that's just, you know, Taster's choice with me. That would probably be the only thing I honestly didn't like about the show. And that's not saying I didn't like the way the show was. If I had to say the thing, the main thing that I really yeah, didn't like, yeah. I wanted it to be Satan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is old black. Coming metal. from the guy that, that basically forced me to watch as above, so below. Fuck yeah. And a movie that fucking freaked me the fuck out. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that was all. Everything else about, dude, Stranger Things is brilliant. The care every actor in that if they everyone they picked is brilliant. Yeah, all the kids are amazing. The adults all amazing. Everyone, I, dude, it's like they are Matthew Modine. Cool. Could you find another dude that just played that complete stoic, cold asshole character better than him dude, the, in that yeah, first season? That that whole sequence of just showing them in the facility and stuff. It just yeah. They the casting they picked was a uh, David Harbor. I mean, is he, he was just so cool as Hopper. It's like I know people like him. I think we all do. It's just on the one hand he seems so cool, but on the other he's just such a hard ass. You're just as a kid, you know, you're scared of someone like that. 
and he means well, but he comes across as such a hard ass that you're still afraid of him. It just the casting for the show is perfect. <laughs> well, you do realize who he is coming up soon, right? Hellboy. Yep. Hell yeah, dude. I'll watch it. Oh Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's another. I had that conversation yesterday at a local toy shop. I was talking with the owner, <laughs> not to be a total dork, people. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll save that for another time, that discussion. But <laughs> yeah, the, the casting, the the sound, the editing, um, the, the pace of the show, everything about it, the tone. The set, dude. The all the I mean everything about it was just so meticulous and so well done. There was enough horror, there was enough goofiness, there was enough tension, there was enough dorky sci-fi-ness in it that it just none of it ever overpowered each other. And it just felt like it was a good combination of all of these things that should one thousand percent appeal to me. Yeah. And appeal to you. Yeah. It has been compared to, it's like Stand By Me for our generation. And that's, I have yet to honestly think of a better way. I mean, it's it's like the Goonies, or like you say, or like I had said before, you know, just Stand By Me for the 80s kids. And that's mm -hmm. what the show is. Yep. And that brings us to now a year later and Stranger Things 2. And um, before I get into what I ultimately think about this new season uh -oh. that I took my time watching. Um, what were your initial thoughts upon finally finishing it up and, and watching this thing? I liked it. It's stranger things is cool. I, I want to be careful with it because I want to be, I'm being optimistic with it. Stranger things is one of those that the first season hits you so hard. I think that it's going to it's impossible to carry that moment. You would have to be fucking perfect to carry that momentum if you follow me. You know, the way that the first yeah. one hits and the mystery of it all hits. By season two, you know the mystery. And and I think it's because of the familiarity with what's going on. Seeing those kids is great. It's like coming back to school after summer break. Sure. When you're back with the kids, you smile. I did. I because I'm back. It's like, oh yeah, this is great. So all of their trials is I can relate with because you know you feel like you're with friends. All these other people, it's like, oh, I remember. Oh yeah, you know, you're starting to remember relationship problems and stuff going on, and then you know new problems arise, and you know when it kicks back on, the first thing you're thinking, you know, it's like, well, where's L? What what happened to L? Because you remember, you know, Hopper had dropped off the egos and stuff in the tree trunks. So you know. You've got mystery that you're building along with in season two from the get go. Ultimately, and this does, isn't to sound like a hipster or nothing, I like the first season better. And I think it's just because I was unprepared for just how fucking awesome it was going to be. And I think that's it. Is it great? Hell yeah. Was it a good set? Yes. By the season one, tells you what's going to happen. Season two just carries it on and it continues. So if you loved, the universe that was built in season one, you're going to fucking love season two. There's nothing to not like about it. Honestly, from where I sit. Well, I'm going to be the person that, that poo poos and pee pees and your Wheaties. <laughs> um, <laughs> we <laughs> there was, I, I'm, I walked away from it. Very indifferent. Uh, 
at first, the first couple episodes of it, um, and we're going to get really spoilery here, people. Obviously, oh, yeah. if you're listening to this, I'm taking for granted you had watched the show. And I, I do think you should go watch it. Um, if you're a fan of the first series, obviously, you should. Yeah. Go watch it. Form your own opinion. If you're not, you need to go watch it anyway. <laughs> yeah. But the first two episodes, to me, the way we had talked about before how all it took was one credit sequence to hit such a subliminal nerve right. in me that I was I was hooked. This first episode, chapter one, Mad Max, felt so try hard. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it felt like the moment I started watching it, I was so jacked. Amanda and I, we were so jacked. We had popcorn. We were just like, holy fuck. I had gotten rid of Netflix Dang. and I renewed it just so I could watch Stranger Things, too. That's what they were hoping. <laughs> they got me back. <laughs> and I they, it starts off and the first thing that hits me with the first episode, Mad Max was that the soundtrack alone i cannot imagine the amount of licensing dollars that were spent on the music i noticed that in the first episode it is unbelievable the songs that are in this first dude, episode whole season i know dude I, yeah i know what you're talking about with that one dude <laughs> well it's only like the first two episodes where it's just like such a punch in the face that every scene has a new song that you know and you love from the 80s <laughs> that to me it was just like it was trying so fucking hard to remind you hey man we're in the 80s <laughs> you remember this <laughs> you remember this what about this tune and i looked at amanda and i was just like I hope the whole season's not like this because I'm not going to watch it <laughs> if that's just what it is. And unfortunately, that faded after episode two. Yeah. And it finally like the, the it had its own score. And occasionally there'd be a Motley Crue tune that would pop on or uh -huh. there'd be something. But it wasn't as obnoxious. Those first two episodes are so in your face like fart sniffing 80s nostalgia <laughs> obnoxious that it almost turned me off from watching the show i and it's too bad because i'm with you I you see those kids and the kids it's just like yes i love these characters i love the actors these kids they get it they do it right and then you have this max character that comes in which is let's let's be honest it's nothing to do with the, the actress because she did a great job Max is a bootleg 11. Yeah. That's what that's essentially what her character is, yeah. just to fill the gap that they're that 11's off on this pointless side tangent story stuck out in the middle of the woods oh, in, a, in a cabin for no reason what, whatsoever. Oh, but it's true. She was, I call her the token. Yeah. That's all she was, was, was token. And then her brother, who. <laughs> He who never cool. wears a shirt, <laughs> smokes constantly, probably jerks off to himself looking at himself in the mirror that at mirror. home. <laughs> that mirror is obnoxious. But those two characters, every time they came on screen, I just, I wanted that scene to end. Yeah. Oh, cool. I just, 
in, in this was just like the first two episodes. In the, <laughs> the second episode, they they go trick or treating and they have the Ghostbusters. It just like I was like, holy fuck, this is obnoxious. I never. This is so that. pandery. See, I'll have to I'll have to watch it again. <laughs> Man, they gotcha. They're getting your that viewing dollar again. <laughs> well, well, of course, but it's just you know I'd never noticed it, but now that you bring it up, I can see like where where you would come from with that. Maybe I had, you know, my eyes are glossed over just watching it, you know, <laughs> riding the nostalgia wave to never notice it. Because now that I think back on it, it is that. I do agree with that. You know, their whole point, I think they were doing it, you know, modeled as an homage to Stephen King and stuff. But what really got them going was the fact that it was like hearkening back to the 80s. And so whenever they kick season two off, yeah, they want to remind you, hey, we're in the 80s. Remember this? Look at the Reagan Bush sign out in the lawn. Do you remember Halloween 84? What was Oh, Halloween? Jesus, dude. It was just, it was literally like mouth breathers. Do you remember this? The reason that t- the right off the bat this turned me off is that it felt like I was being sold a soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it had nothing to do with the story itself and the characters. It was literally that nostalgia pandering that I did not feel in the first season. I mean, there was some, there was some, but it was more of a feeling in a tone that they got right. And then this is that direct reference kind of bullshit that I cannot stand. I'm glad you said it because now that you mentioned it, I do feel like, it seemed to be taking this damn sweet time with giving me a story. It's like, you know, season one, uh, what's the kid? Will Byers is gone. Episode one. I have something to care about. Yeah. Oh, this shit. just meandered and the playing, first few episodes. Yeah. They're playing Dungeons and Dragons and now the kid's gone. And this, so now I have a complete story. I have something to get into. Holy shit. This is awesome. Then we got this little girl with a shaved head. Holy crap. There's something not right about her. And Matthew Modine looks mad. Holy shit, I'm in. Season two, it was almost like I didn't even get a full story. What until like episode three? Until we kind of start realizing there's something something not quite right here. Until the polywog happens. Yeah. They, until I, the kid finds that little creepy polywog thing. The one thing is, and I because I did think about this earlier today. Their marketing for season two, I felt. I didn't feel cheated. I just felt a little kind of like VHS box art uh, in the movie. It's a bait and switch. Yeah, because remember they show Hopper in the pumpkin patch. And the whole teaser stuff, we're getting a big Sky Cthulhu. And I'm thinking, oh, God, I was so hard to see that. I'm like, oh, and again, it brings me back to malevolence versus, you know, alien creature in his own natural habitat. You, yeah, you talk about hard on for some Cthulhu. I was ready for this shit. <laughs> and then, so they're teasing, you know, Hopper in the pumpkin patch and there's something, you know, it's a lot of mystery that they're going for. That was the main thing is I felt that we didn't, I didn't really get that. I didn't get the mystery that they were kind of pushing for in their marketing. Um, That being said, I mean, it was once we start getting a story, if you are into that kind of story, then it's pretty cool. But yeah, I feel like for the first couple of episodes, it was, you feel like they were pandering heavily with the, Hey, look at us. We're in the eighties. And I felt like they were focusing on character stories that I could give two shits about. <laughs> well, I agree with that too, is that it wasn't until um, episode three 
where I actually started liking this season. Yeah. Uh, those first two episodes were just so obnoxious and so off-putting to me. <laughs> and and they did. I agree. They meandered. It was just like, well, let's catch up with these people as right. opposed to we actually have a story to tell. Right. Like there's there's a point to this. No, it was the whole and this is a, a huge problem with TV in general. And this is why I don't watch a lot of uh, serialized television is that you waste so much time with just pointless character stuff to fill out a certain number of pre-subscribed episodes like we need 10 episodes this was only nine this time right so sometimes every now and then you'll just get an episode of nothing yeah just to fill that up in its useless character stuff and i felt the first two episodes were kind of that like it was just we're catching up with these people there's no real crisis we're being introduced to sean astin who i loved his character oh, yeah um and paul reiser whose character ultimately turned out to be a big <laughs> <laughs> like it didn't it, he didn't do much for me i was really just dis- because i like paul reiser and i used to watch mad about you yeah <laughs> now, paul Re- i'll give him this he had a moment later on in the season that made me immediately turn around and like him but i agree with you one thing that i liked in season one it focused on people's interactions like i love the not only the nostalgia of the time period but the way they captured life as a kid they captured them kids at school. Yeah. Perfect. I agree. Like as nerds, because I was one. And they captured the dichotomy, I guess dichotomy, the, the relationship troubles like between Steve and Nancy and then Jonathan who comes in. And they're but they're never making that front and center, if I'm if you follow me with that. That was just something mm-hmm. that they would pan to, but it eventually tied back in. Even though we saw the conflict and stuff, it tied back in, but almost like they didn't intend to, it just did. Just the way life does. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Season two, it didn't feel like they were doing that. It was just, let's see what's, you know, let's check the Steve and Nancy show. And I don't give a shit, you know, because the last I checked, I was cool with Steve. That was another thing I liked. They gave you, they did not end season one the way you think they would. How, you know, the, Steve is a jerk, and so Nancy's going to leave Steve and go with Jonathan because Steve's the bad guy, and he gets his schadenfreude. The audience gets their schadenfreude, and we move on. You know, good triumphs overall. No, it didn't happen like that. Steve kicked Jonathan's ass. Jonathan kicked Steve's ass. Steve's best friend threatens to beat Steve up. Steve storms out in his car. Well, then he ends up going over to Will's house, and they fight the big demigorgon and stuff. This is after Steve had broken Jonathan's, you know, fucking expensive ass Canon camera. (laughs) You know, at the end of the season, they give Jonathan another camera. So Steve is still with Nancy. They're still banging. They're still enjoying theirs. Jonathan does not get the girl, even though he should have, according to English. Well, he's he's the sympathetic character where Steve Steve is kind of like the broy jock. Right. And so, you know, they didn't. Season one didn't follow that normal standard. So by season two, I'm kind of, I'm digging that, you know, I guess is the the short way I should have just said it. I like that. They're not hitting you with what you expect. So by season two, I'm expecting more of not knowing what to expect. And unfortunately, I'm kind of expecting everything that's happening. Once season two clicks, I already, I can see what's going to come next. You, If you can follow me with that. Whenever oh yeah, I think that, the, the I knew what okay. I knew what that was. When I saw yeah. him, I was like, "Oh, that's going to be a girl." 
like I said, that's the token. I know I'm going to sound like an asshole for saying, but it's true, especially in today's environment and stuff. They got to have an ass kicking girl. What don't need no man. And what better way to do that than to have a little girl in there who, you know, hold, and that's fine. That's, I'm not complaining about that at all. However, <laughs> it is what it is. And you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> when I yeah, saw it, was it just, it, that character, that character just didn't do much for me. The character that this season, if there's anyone that shined that I walked away from liking a lot more than they were in the first season, it was the Steve character. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Babysitter club. <laughs> I know you've seen the meme. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I seriously like his character by the end of this season. I loved that character. I thought it was a great arc. I thought surprisingly, you know, he had come to terms with the fact that him and his girlfriend weren't getting back together. He's like, Oh, whatever, dude, I'm, I'm a good looking dude. I, t- I got options. It's, it. it's all good. It was- and I, I, I kind of liked that. It was life. Like I said, again, it was the things that I don't expect to happen that make me like it. And so that was an outcome that you don't expect, especially in American story arcs. You know, if Steve is the good, you know, love triumphs overall, good conquers evil. Steve became the hero of this. And yet Steve didn't get the princess. You know what I'm saying? He got his own reward. I think the rewards of his character, especially the relationship he now has with the young ones. And because it built on that perfectly. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. It was absolutely wonderful because it was heartwarming to think that that, you know, I try to raise my son with that mindset, telling him that, you know, even if you think Captain America is a dork, there is a reason that Captain America is a hero. And it's because Mm -hmm. he does things like this, you know, and trying to set that example for my son, letting him know that, you know, you're an eighth grade dude. You got kids in sixth grade that look up to you, whether you know it or not. And you need to don't be better than them. That's right. Don't act like you're better than them. Don't yep. think you're better than them. But help them out. If you see a kid drop his book, walk over and pick it up. How you doing? You know, if he's new and doesn't look like he knows where he's going to go, help him out. If you see a kid get bullied, pick up a desk and go knock that fucking kid out. That's bullying <laughs> him. It is just, you know, little things like that. And, I like that character with Steve. I see it's, you know, kind of like a, what they call it projection is I look at Steve and see somebody I wish I would have been or somebody I wish I could have been it, in this I, season, in not this the season. first season, not the first, yeah, the first season he was an ass. <laughs> no, he was a total ass. And this season it was a complete turnaround. Now it, it isn't the characters in particular that just didn't do it for me this season i think if anything i know i just complained (laughs) a lot about the pandering and and all that stuff it's ultimately that there wasn't much of a story you're right to the season whatsoever and you had talked about you know the big cthulhu monster the and all this and there was instances where that came that fizzled out into nothing so that was a big red herring i it was just like you saw everything you were going to see in the trailer of what was in the season of that monster. And I was totally fucking bummed by that. That's it. And You're right. The The middle section of this series of this new um, season, I thought was just as good and gripping as the first season now. And I know this is going to be very controversial because the episode in general is just very controversial. Once we hit chapter seven, the lost sister, where we find uh, another girl, the, not the same as, as 11, but 
she had gone through the same trials and experiments and things of this nature. Um, and they connect on a psychic level and they find each other. And it's this like side story in Chicago. At that point, um, the episode itself is, is fine for what it is. It was not, it wasn't bad. Um, it was interesting. I think it it's merely an instance where um, I think the writers are trying to set a bridge as to what's going to happen in the next season, as opposed to it being a part of the plot of this. Right. Because I don't think it had a point to anything that happened in this. And that's I once that hit, I, I was just kind of like, what's the fucking point of this? Why are we watching this? I, I feel like this is something that shouldn't be here at that point. Those last three episodes for me took a complete nosedive. Yeah. And I just did not. I thought the the conflict was forced. I thought the introdu uh, introduction of Eleven into the main group again was entirely forced. Yes. It felt like it. Sh that it was an afterthought. But I do believe that Eleven's presence in the season in general was forced in in was ultimately what made me not really enjoy this season as much as the first one i follow you completely and it like i said whenever i would stranger things especially when i see big giant tentacle cthulhu monster in the clouds that's it it's on oh hell yeah upside down is now a hell world so this first thing yeah demi gorgon he was just he was a puppy dog out in the world that's fine that's cool because now i have tentacle satan in the clouds coming after these kids and it does nothing exactly it, it does nothing does fucking happens at all and you're right and so then this whole bait and switch with hopper in the pumpkin patches which i will say was actually the plot that i found really awesome was following hopper looking i thought we were going to go into like a subterranean hell right i thought that's where we were going know, and, and then it oh just God, it was nothing him dealing with 11 because of his lost daughter i was really digging his character development in this season oh yeah i agree with that but still and yeah. they drug that fucking side story of him out into the fucking dirt now i will that was like a one two episode thing at most at most and they drug it <laughs> the entire fucking season i don't want to forget i do want to i have to do this before i forget it the paul reiser's character I got a love-hate thing with Paul Reiser because I was a little kid when I saw Aliens, and I have never forgiven him. Uh. <laughs> Regardless, his character, you know, pops up in Stranger Things, and at first he's a doctor at the Institute, and it's like, okay, I know this angle. I know what they're doing with him. Yeah, here's the old thing, of course. He's hiding something or whatnot. And that's where I feel like they failed with the writing because it was that at first, that he was hiding something and something bad and whatnot, and you're not supposed to like him. But then eventually there was this one scene where they're sitting at the table, the round table, and he's telling the doctors and he's like, look, we got to, you know, do something. We got to help Will out or, you know, he, he needs to have this. And the other does, well, I don't know if we want to give him the treatment or not. And then he's like, Will is going to die. And then the doctor across from Paul Reiser says, well, if he dies, he dies. And all of a sudden Paul Reiser gets this serious look on his face. He points to the doctor and says, you say that to me again. And that scene was so awesome like that was mm -hmm. that was i don't know it's just a perfect storm in writing perfect things that happen you know whether you intend them or not when 
his character, when Paul Reiser's character did that, I immediately, we call it, you know, a, a face turn in wrestling was exactly. Yeah. Whereas, you know, like when Bret Hart kicked stone cold in the groin and that was an immediate heel turn with Paul Reiser, whenever he looks at that daughter and says, you say that to my face. And it was like, holy shit. He actually cares about the kid. Okay. It was an immediate turn to where I like the character. It just sucks that they didn't flesh out enough for me to give a shit about the character. I don't think they, yeah, I don't think they fleshed out the vast majority of the story. I think the story was like, it was, it just treaded water. It was, it just was like a retread of the first one. You, you built these certain things like the tentacle Cthulhu and this underterranean like labyrinth that was being created oh under the town. God. Like the town was, was becoming infected with the upside down. And all it was was just kind of a walkway for these, like the dog demogorgons. Yeah, I know. What was that? Was such a disappointment. Dog demogorgon. I thought these things walked around and was evil and stuff. No, they're puppies. Yay! Uh, I was, I was very disappointed in it. In those last couple episodes, leading the last episode of this season was one of the least interesting things that I've seen in a while. I did I not enjoy that episode. Remember, it was oh yeah, it it felt. Now here's one thing I will say: it eventually it feels like it did start to follow almost like a Stranger Things paint by numbers. Yeah, everything that season one had hit on the mystery, building the story, certain things you know, certain benchmarks it would hit during the season. And then you've got Joyce Byers with the the Ouija board on the wall and the Christmas lights and stuff. These, I mean, those were certain. They built the same thing with the yeah, paper. They did the same thing in season two, and it doesn't have the same impact. It was nope, kind of cool, not. but the problem is, is we already knew what it was. They gave, they spoiled that in the trailer, and so to hell with them for that. That was their own fault. They they gave away too much of that in the trailer. If they would not have revealed any of that in the stranger things trailer that came out last year or the, you know, whenever they first released it, they should have kept scenes of that all the way out of it. Maybe it would have been a little bit better, but we are. Why did they need, I got a better question. Why did they need a trailer? <laughs> I I completely agree because we, we all know. were going to suck the tit of this fucking show. <laughs> That's right. Regardless. I, it, I didn't need to see scenes of an arcade. I was there. I grew up in the eighties. I, Dude, I ignored the trailers. I didn't watch a single one of them. I watched it right before. I forget. Whenever it came, not right before, like right when it came out, I watched it because I knew I was going to forget about it. And that was why. And even then it was like, I shouldn't because normally I don't watch trailers. I stay away from them now. But I, I had to watch this one because, it again, it's Stranger Things. Dude, we fucking love it. Hell yeah. <laughs> we got, and sure enough, Ghostbusters cartoons and Dragon Slayer 2. It's a holy shit. This is, oh yeah, this, this is my jam. But uh, yeah, they gave away way too much of the series just in those tra- in that trailer. But Sean Aston's speaking- was cool, though. Oh, Sean Aston's character was amazing. And of course, to get rid of him. Spoiler alert! But I mean, that was that was a bummer. That was hell. dude. That, oh god, hell. there was such better characters to get rid of. Something that get rid of that. fucking Mister Greasy Hair Bare Chest. Get rid of that oh, fucking god. useless character. Whenever you talk about uh being forced, when uh Sean Aston's character talks about how he was in Maine and there was a clown. I'm sorry. I'm not the biggest Stephen King fan. I think I've made that perfectly clear <laughs> with friends of mine. I guess he's okay, but he's not God's gift to the printed page. And 
I just, I don't know. I've never really dug him. I've read a lot of his books and stuff. Yeah, so have I. I just, I don't care. And it, so whenever they're talking about, you know, it was terrorized by a clown in Maine and stuff, I would get the fuck out of here. <laughs> did you go see that new it or did you no. ignore it completely? No. I, Good I, for you. Everything I saw, I stood for the ARZ you. Facebook group. It, I don't go to the theater watch a movie anyway, but I mean, I, I will maybe one day watch when the whole thing comes out. Don't. Don't even bother. You're not going to like it, Dan. <laughs> I have to say the reason I love Astro Radio Z was your one fucking comment. When we were talking about the movie, and I had mentioned I'd never saw the movie, but I read the book. And it was talking about, did they have the child gangbang scene in there? So, and I think it was Andrew would put, or, ah, shit, it, it might have, I can't remember. It was either Andrew, it might have been Mark who put, no, it wasn't in there. And your one comment, I think they should have left it in <laughs> <laughs> that is why I am a fan of Astro Radio Z. <laughs> that one comment talking about <laughs> going on about how creepy it is and it's so stupid or whatever. And you just put them, I think they should have left it in there. I could hear it in your voice and your inflection in it just by reading it. And I just couldn't quit laughing. <laughs> That's fucking, yeah, I want to get down that rabbit right, hole. I've, I've heard that it tries even more kind of like stranger things to hit that 80s nostalgia maybe it does maybe it doesn't i don't give a shit well it's that whole it everything now has to hit that and we've reached critical mass i think this kind of thing i think you're correct it's one of those if you do it too forcefully too heavy-handed it's not going to feel genuine the one of the reasons that season one of stranger things works so well is it didn't feel for it just was it was because they had a story. <laughs> Very true. They had a story arc. They had a beginning, middle, and end, and it felt like a self-contained thing. This this didn't. did not. It felt piecemeal. All I can say is, I mean, what's season three? It, I've got it. I know it's perfect. Stranger Things season three, or in parentheses, what the fuck is wrong with Will Byers this time? <laughs> okay. This is where I let's let's give our final thoughts on season two and then let's break into hypotheticals of where we think season three is going to go. Ultimately, when all is said and done, did you end up liking season two and what what were your final takeaways from this? Yeah, look, it's Stranger Things. I said it as (laughs) our little preamble at the beginning of this. This is one of the best things on tv now that you're gonna find and if you don't like it you're wrong <laughs> no it's if you were my age, if, if we are, i don't mean to call you an asshole but i'm gonna call you an asshole if we are of similar age you owe it to yourself to watch this show if anything just just to enjoy because even if you don't like the show it's going to make your brain remember things about being a kid and as long as you haven't had anything horribly traumatic happen as a child there are things in this show that you're going to love just because it's going to remind you of when you were a kid. So there's good, there's going to be something in there. If you're our age, there's going to be something in there that you're going to like. So ultimately, is it worth watching? Oh, hell yeah, dude. I mean, fuck's sake, man. It's like, is you got nine episodes. You can either binge the whole thing in one day or take your time and watch one hour long episode every night. It's going to be better than anything that you have seen in the theater. I guarantee fucking, well, I don't, I haven't seen Avengers or wonder woman, not event, uh, justice league or wonder woman yet. However, barring those two movies, I guarantee you is going to be better or at least just as good as anything else. You're going to pay hard, cold cash to watch. So, I mean, dude, it's stranger things. 
you're going to like it. Was it as good as season one? I don't think, I think we've done a pretty good job at saying, no, it wasn't. (laughs) I don't think it was. I think it got, they got hit with the sudden sensationalism of the show that happens to a lot of shows when it hits them and like, holy shit, this is great. We got picked up for season two. Hell yeah. Holy shit. We need to write season two. (laughs) What the fuck are we going to do? I think it was one of those. Yeah, it's totally one of those. You nailed it. And the problem is, though, and that is the one drawback of being low budget of indies. (laughs) When I had mentioned before, we had a wonderful time, this TV renaissance and just the, you know, coalescing of all these different forces that bring the indie people the rise and make it badasses whenever it becomes a cultural phenomenon. They are not prepared. (laughs) You are not prepared for the same thing almost the same could be said for channel zero in season two how lackluster i haven't watched it yet is it as good as season one i am not going to spoil it no just watch it because i have told i tell everybody that whether you like it or not channel zero just like stranger things channel zero is the shit that show is tv that is what we need it is the rise of indie it is beautiful just in the fact that they have taken creepypasta and indie stories and created a story out of it and I'm just going to leave it at that. But yeah, Stranger Things season two. Yes, it's worthwhile. I laughed. There were several times that I actually laughed out loud that uh, it was just so funny. Some of the things, and it was funny is I can't really remember. I remember some of the funny stuff was when they go to the uh, Jonathan and Nancy go to that guy, the conspiracy guy. And st- I remember there were a couple of funny parts in that uh, episode. Some of the stuff, yeah, kind of went off the rails. The whole x-men new mutants thing i heard somebody mention that it's like yeah these just like the x-men or whatever and i was like yeah but i don't remember anybody else having superpowers it was kali and 11 and that was it it was cool but eh, on the whole no i mean it wasn't as good as season one but i mean it's like so what it was still cool (laughs) yeah i i'm really kind of torn on one shoe, I even with all the the pandering and everything and the meandering plot, I still enjoyed watching it. But on the other shoe, I was very very disappointed. Yeah, I I cannot say that I ultimately really liked this <laughs> at all, <laughs> and that was really disappointing to me because I was really jacked. Well, I mean, to you watch feel this. cheated having one. I mean, do you feel like you have you lost those nine hours and you will never get them back? And God damn it, I screw you, Netflix. No, no, I'm not Dexter level cheated. <laughs> I, I mean, let's let's be serious and honest about that. I watched that piece of shit show all through all the way to the end where he turned into a lumberjack and fucking braved a hurricane. Um, I'm not that level disappointed. But I, I got to admit that the last two episodes, I I merely just passively watched it. Yeah. And I was I just did not enjoy those last two episodes. I, I didn't enjoy. There's at least five episodes of this nine episode season that I just didn't like. (laughs) That's not good. (laughs) That's not good. There's four episodes I really liked and it hooked me back in 
And then unfortunately, like I said before, once that lost sister episode hit and it wasn't necessarily that it was a bad episode, it just had no point in the story that I was just, it lost me completely because it, I think ultimately what killed this for me is that it was obvious. They didn't have a story. You're right. And that they didn't, the writers just were, I think you were right. They got sideswiped by the instant phenomena and instant fame. And they had all this money tossed at them and they, you know, they could get any reference and license that they wanted to place inside of this thing. And they could have all the money in the world for all these extravagant special effects and ultimately had nothing to say. That's right. And it absolutely nothing to say. And this, it just kind of made this like it was, this is, if I if I want to make a Marvel reference, this was the age of Ultron of yeah. Stranger Things. It's just a setup for what's next. So I wouldn't I honestly, if you were a passive fan of Stranger Things, I wouldn't even bother. I wouldn't even bother watch this because if you were kind of lukewarm on the first season, you're not there's oh, nothing yeah, yeah. here that's gonna like hook you in. But if you were a super fan, you're gonna watch this anyway. Oh yeah. Like I said, you didn't need a trailer. You didn't need a trailer. You were going to watch this. You were balls deep in it before or the moment you finished episode 10 of the first season. Yep. You were ready for the next for this. So um, there's nothing I'm going to say that's going to change your opinion about it. But if you're lukewarm on it, I wouldn't even fucking bother. So let's go ahead and talk about where we think that this needs to go. Like I, for one, think that the only way this works whatsoever is that you need to leave that town. There's nothing left. There's no stories there. There's You're just going to keep retreading the same governmental conspiracy, evil scientist rift in the dimension, like a dimensional portal story over and over and over again. And I think chapter seven, the only way that you make that work is that you expand beyond this city and you get all of these characters out of there and you turn this into the (laughs) X-Men. That's literally the only way I see that this works at all anymore. Dan, what do you think? Oh, quite possibly. And that would, again, this is it all being subjective to what they actually wanted, where they want to take the series that, cause I have no clue. One thing I had no idea what they might even tease with it. Cause you know, at the end of season one, will pukes up the little polywog into the drain. And then he has a flash that he's in the upside down and then it comes back and then he goes back. They eat dinner. Ha ha ha. Oh, it's an Atari. Oh, Merry Christmas, whatever season's in season two hits. Well, the polywogs back and then, you know, Cthulhu shadow monster. Well, then they talk about the Cthulhu shadow monster and I guess they got rid of him. But at the end they tease that he's still there in the clouds. Well, the problem is, is that he's just like the Demi-Gorgon. He's just a creature in his habitat doing something. So I don't care. And ultimately, I just didn't, I don't even know where the hell they intend to go with next. I have no clue. I mean, you say, leave the town, get them out of that town. And if they are, if this is not a malevolent entity, if this is not a hell world, if this isn't, you know, demons from the pit of hell coming out. And if there's no supernatural stuff, then I kind of agree with you. I'd have to then get them out of that town and let's go start the new mutants because we have Kali 
and her little band of ragtag misfits, which was, I guess was supposed to be other, they never even hinted if those other kids could actually do anything. That that whole point was just a wasted avenue of story. If you ask me, it, it was because it, it had nothing to do with the plot of this. Right. And if they keep for them- such a linear story that the first season was and that what this is, there's this isn't a show for metaphor right. and symbolism and abstraction. This is like we are handing you this story and explaining everything on a silver platter. I That's think- what this is. It's brainless television, popcorn television. If they kept them in the town. And this, I would say if they want, but I think they've already done, they couldn't do this now. They would have had a chance to be able to do this. If they would have made the shadow monster malevolent, if they would have made him an actual, an evil presence or something, keep them in the town, but you got to give them a reason to be scared. You have to give them a reason to have the hell, if the hell world is coming in and they've got that institute that is gone now, they need to do it kind of like resident evil that that institute was infiltrating into the town like raccoon city and nobody knew. And that, you know, there are roots that go down deeper and people are tied in with this and stuff that we had no clue, but see, they've already, they can't do that. Now they should have been building on that by in season one to where they could have actually touched on it at the end of season two, that they could have, you know, a little plot thread like that. So sadly I'm thinking that any sort of, evil you know nice little cool keep it in the small town but let's slowly deteriorate and rot and turn into a hell on earth kind of i think that's just gone so i mean i'm kind of like you if they're going to stay in they need to get out of the town they need to go somewhere else but where the fuck are they going to go they're in indiana (laughs) well no like they went to chicago i mean wow and she quickly got out in the same episode She goes to Chicago, <laughs> goes through some hijinks, and then decides, you know what? I've had enough. I think I better go back to this shithole little eye blinker town in Indiana. And that's are they gonna? I mean, so she's part of the montage, the MK Ultra thing, and so they got Kali. So what they so now they just shoehorned in her sister. So we got eleven, and then twelve and a half. So I mean, what's next? Are they gonna bring in be like, oh well, she had like five or six other brothers and sisters? I thought they did. that was insinuated in season one, though. Yeah, it, yeah, you're right. It was because they it showed the picture and stuff, and that's cool. But again, like I say, it just it doesn't. I don't feel. I don't know. I honestly don't know where they're going. I mean, they can't bring in a serial killer, which that would be cool. Bring in a serial killer. That'd be pretty awesome. From Hell World. I mean, that would be pretty. But like I said, all the see what I mean. As far as my interest goes, like with the supernatural, they have destroyed any of that now. They're, all of that is gone. This has now become Stephen King's The Mist with 80s references. Yeah, yeah that's all it is. You're right. And if this season, like the, the first season felt like it was it, this season feels like it was The Mist. And if you like The Mist, you're going to love this. I, in particular, don't. Because like I said, the mist is just creatures that happen to be there. They just happen to be doing their natural routine. They just happen to be in the mist. I don't give a shit. So what? Let's move on. So um, that's what I'm, that's kind of my take is, I mean, honestly, no matter what they do now, I just sort of kind of don't care, (laughs) which is why I said Stranger Things season three, 
it's just going to be called what the fuck is wrong with Will this time? Because <laughs> that's all it was. <laughs> that stupid little bastard is something always happening to him and is driving his mom crazy. And then how hasn't brother, he killed himself at this point? I'm for Can you imagine the complex that kid would have by now? I mean, just think it's like the whole world. Yeah. You know why the world's going to shit? Because you're still around. <laughs> <laughs> mommy's house looks like trash because of you <laughs> oh my god oh nice my things. god <laughs> holy jesus <laughs> i don't yeah i i think i'm in agreement. i i really don't know i think most of the fans and this doesn't pertain to you in particular i think a lot of the fans that i had talked to um or i had read about unfortunately on facebook oh, good, really. <laughs> um they are they are the kind of people that it doesn't matter what they throw in front of them. They're going to like it. Yeah. I mean, and I can you see know. that. I can agree. I mean, there are shows that are like that, you know. And I'm just like, I am not not that kind of person. Yeah. I, I want it. I want shows to evolve and I want them to change and I want them to take chances and I want them to go new places. Right. I don't want to see the same story over and over and over again. Television in general to me is a huge commitment and I don't normally watch serialized television because it's just like I could either watch an hour and a half movie or I watch 10 hour long movies. That's essentially what these are. Yeah. 10 hour long movies. Which one is going to work with my schedule more and is not going to disappoint me more ultimately? It's always going to be the movie. You're right. Because the vast majority of television, if this is the way I am now, if it doesn't hit me by the first episode, if the first episode doesn't hit me, I am not going to watch the rest of it. I'm not going to wait for it to build. I'm not going to. No, that's already an hour out of my time. You're right. So it, the only reason I even finished this was because how much I liked that first season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was like, I'm going to give this the shot. And that's why the last episode, I was just like, I was doing other things. Because halfway through it, I'm just like, this is I this is just trash. It's garbage. <laughs> this is just like, it, there's it's obvious they had no fucking story written for this. It's yeah. just garbage trash. Um, so it's, it, it's going to be a really hard sell to get me to watch a season three of this. I'm not a kind of completionist with television where I feel if I've watched and invested this much time, I need to keep seeing it through. I think on the last Patreon episode, it's obvious Mark and I talked about walking dead. I gave up on that long ago. I haven't even watched an episode from this season yet. Don't even start. Don't <laughs> even fucking start. There's too many. That's my thing is that right now, as you had said at the beginning of this episode, this is like a golden era of television. I think it universally is held that right now there's more creative freedom and more money in serialized streaming television than anywhere. Mm-hmm. What avenue would have given David Lynch the money to make an 18 plus hour movie of Twin Peaks? Not possible. Uh, he Because that's essentially what the new season is. He doesn't have it any. Don't get me wrong. I love Twin Peaks. That's why you saw my quote on Facebook. No, like nobody other than the hardcore Twin Peaks people would get it. But I've been watching it again because I'm about to watch the, the new season. I can't wait to hear your opinions on it. 
I mean, I all I'm gonna say is I personally found it to be one of the most transcendent things. I remember I've reading what you said and the fact that you said it was like, oh, good. You know, I can't wait to watch this. But it I, was a feeling. It was a feeling that it gave me. It like literally because I watched it as it was being produced, uh-huh. it, which is a totally different experience than watching Stranger Things. Because as we both had said, the moment it came out, we binge watched the whole fucking thing. Right. In like a day or two. Twin Peaks was like a traditional show where you had to wait week to week oh. to week to watch this thing. So you watched one episode and you thought about it and you experienced it. And when it ended, you felt anxious and heartbroken because you wanted to, con- we're so conditioned now <laughs> to binge all this shit that I was just like, I, I had a yearning. Yeah. <laughs> that I- and only TV can give you that. And that, but see, you're, you've hit it right there. The stranger things did not have, that for whatever, when David Lynch does something, a lot of times I think it's just the right place at the right time. I don't think he intends to do it. It's just lucky. <laughs> I think some of them. I don't. Th- I don't agree with that at all. Well, I, I think it's just his aesthetic. But it's just. A, but you've got that right. His aesthetic. He did that. His show gives you something like that, whereas Stranger Things did not. I would not. Uh, yes, I've been Stranger Things. I was looking forward to it. This next time. I mean, I'm going to have to agree with you. Season three, I might not do that. I might use Stranger Things as my guitar practice show because that's where I get a lot of my TV shows watching. I practice guitar and just put on a TV show. So that's I've been going through sure. the old Twin Peaks, getting ready for the new one and because I can't really do that with a movie because, you know, I have to practice guitar, but I can't. You know, that new Transformers like two and a half hours long. So that. Oh, Jesus. You watch that gimmick? Okay, you were talking about, you know, there are some movies you'll just watch because you don't give a shit. You're in it for the story. Okay, that's me. I'm. <laughs> you, <laughs> you are the worst person we'll watch in the, on the face of the planet that has ever said that they watch Transformers for the story. Let, all right, let me say this. You know how we'll watch an hour and a half of Van Damme kicking people in the face? Yes. I will watch two and a half hours of Optimus Prime kicking ass and giving philosophical debates. I will watch that for the rest of my life. I've been doing it since I was six and I was cheated. Innocence was gone. My life, there was no more childhood innocence when I saw Optimus Prime get killed. When I saw him die in the Great Toy Massacre of 1986. (laughs) These new Transformers movies, I mean, a lot of people, I understand where they come from. They call them cinematic abortions. I think that's a little harsh. Could they be better? Yes. At the end of the day. I broke this down for my brother. I broke this down for my son, which my son is, he's a kid. He just enjoys it. He's like, he just enjoys the fucking movie. I broke it down like this. Transformers 1. Optimus Prime has a hand sword and kicks the shit out of Decepticons asses. Okay. We're good. Cause that movie was freaking awesome. The second one was probably the weakest of the series. I will give it that. That one was pretty fucking awful. However, it was Optimus Prime with a sword, not just a hand sword, but a sword and a hand axe beating shit out of Decepticons. Okay, we'll leave it. Number three was still probably, to me, the best one. That one was just violent and epic and freaking awesome, where Optimus Prime has a sword and flies around with winged jetpack thing kicking ass. The fourth one... Optimus Prime has an even bigger sword riding a fire <laughs> dinosaur. 
How can you not like that? And then this new one, Optimus Prime, is riding a three-headed, fire-breathing, even bigger dinosaur dragon with an even bigger sword. <laughs> so I understand. And you know what? Other people, I'm, I understand where people come from with that. But for me, I love them. I will also say Mark Wahlberg is the best thing to happen to that series since they got the original voice of Optimus Prime. You know, they got Peter Cullen in there. But by the third one, you're tired of Shia LaBeouf. It's just like, dude, just go the fuck on, okay? I'm tired of you. I'm Nobody is that stupid and ignorant in real life and still around, okay? Natural selection would have gotten rid of you a long time ago. The only thing about Marky Mark is it's really funny seeing him pretending to be a humble little inventor because <laughs> dude's got biceps as big as Optimus Prime. <laughs> like he is ripped as shit. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, we all have. Things, I'm going to sit here and defend Optimus Prime, but somebody's got to do it and I'll do it. The difference in, <laughs> with Stranger Things, Twin Peaks, and the Transformers movies ultimately. The story compels me to watch it even further. I will watch Twin Peaks. I will try not to binge it, but I just might. I'm not holding out for it. I will watch any Transformers that ever comes out. I don't care what the fuck it is. Transformers <laughs> Optimus Prime Sausage Factory. I'm going to watch it. Stranger Things Season 3, unfortunately, probably won't binge that one. I might take that one one night at a time. You know, just that's sadly, that's kind of what it is. <laughs> Well, I don't want to compare Stranger Things and, and Twin Peaks. They're completely separate entities. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> they are totally different beasts. But there's, when it comes to shows in general, I just, I have a tough time talking myself into watching a lot of them. And ever since I've moved into this new place, I have been watching a lot of shows. Try Channel Zero, dude. You would Oh, I've seen the first season. I loved it. Oh. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. I watched uh Stranger Things 2. I watched Mindhunter, which if you haven't watched Mindhunter yet, you should. I've been reading a lot of people talking about that show. Awesome. David Fincher, but it's it's about a, the uh, FBI agency that uh came up with the idea of serial killer profiling in how to how to investigate for serial killers by going and talking to them. Oh dude. It, it's awesome. I absolutely fucking loved that show. Um I watched the first season of Black Mirror, which I really liked a lot. I watched a couple and, episodes of that. Yeah, very interesting I show. Very interesting. Because like the couple that I've watched, they're just so ambivalent. Like by the end, it's just you talk about Lovecraft. That's Lovecraft in a modern drama right there. <laughs> just the They're dense. They're very dense. It's just there's a lot going on in them. Such a downer. It's like, yeah, I can't yeah. I watched one, it was like, geez, it's just turn on something happier, you know, for a minute and let me digest this one. <laughs> you mean the one where the where the premiere of Britain has to fuck that pig? Yeah, see, there was that one and now <laughs> The one everybody talks about, the the one where everybody has like the Facebook score or whatever, that was like. Oh, yeah, I watched that one. That one was, and that one was prophetic. Like everyone needs to watch that. That needs to be like a goddamn elective credit in school. <laughs> People need to watch that as, you know, a warning sign to, you know, philosophically where the world could head, it's, you know, on a tenuous type. Could head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> that. That's a philosophic, a philosophy debate in and of itself, right there. But 
yeah, I, I had to take it easy on that show. Like the last, I watched Stranger Things, the last show that I got hooked on and then pissed off. And that's why I hate getting hooked on shows because they can them. But Penny Dreadful, that show was almost perfect. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about it. My boss told me to watch it. I just haven't gotten around to it. But before this turns into us, <laughs> like a Patreon episode, <laughs> let, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Stranger Things 2, you're either going to watch it, you're not going to watch it. Uh, Daniel liked it a little bit more than I did. I was meh, meh, meh. So that's <laughs> what it is. Thanks for... I'm not going to make a habit of doing shows about tv series oh because i don't watch a ton of them i just don't and this this series seemed to fit within the wheelhouse and confines of what astro radio z is a little bit a little bit it's a little more mainstreamy than i normally go but i felt it was decent and i wanted to kind of like get it out get it out of my system that i had watched this and how ultimately like pissy and disappointed i was <laughs> about it so i needed to get it out but um <laughs> this is this is the portion of the show where my guest shamelessly shows the fuck out of you daniel why don't you tell my listeners where they can find your wares where they can find you is there ever going to be another episode of the fucking night keep seriously yeah every year around halloween there's another episode of the night no i uh... that's not what i'm talking <laughs> motherfucker dude uh well, you can find me at nightkeep.com. I'm on Twitter at the nightkeep. Um, there's always, if you go nightkeep.com, you're going to find me. As far as the podcast, I haven't, it's been a, a horrible, fucking heavy ass year. I just, I won't even get into it, but it just, ugh. and I, feel I haven't really I feel had anything, as my grandmama always said, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. So I haven't really had too much of nothing to say for a long time. <laughs> Yeah. And I've just, I've had a lot of other things going on to where the, you know, the podcast, I don't want it to become, if it becomes an obligation, then it becomes a chore. And I do not ever, it does not want it, you know, I don't want it to be a chore. And I just haven't had anybody else to talk to. It just, you know, everybody like you talk about shows and movies and stuff. So if I want to talk with about a show or a movie, I'll just hop on here. <laughs> and, you know, the 38 million other podcasts out there talking about shows and shit. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I hear you. And I don't play new games because I'm poor. And so a lot of the stuff I play are older games. And then all the movies and shows I watch and shit are generally just old movies and stuff. So, you know, the, the bottom line, I haven't really had too much to talk about. There might be one or another pop up, but I mean, the best way to find out is just stay in touch either on here with Astro Radio Z or uh, just either nightkeep.com or on Twitter. I mean, that somewhere or another, but regardless, every Halloween, there will be another episode of the Nightkeep. So <laughs> <laughs> definitely go to Bandcamp, folks. And not only just because you get to hear my sultry tones. Yes, go on there for an, an hour plus. The ARZ tribute just that was an astro radio z tribute for that whole album you want to go and listen to that just to hear the magic of Derek. oh jesus christ listen to the fucking <laughs> flattery <laughs> mary and joseph but uh it, it turned out to be a great record the last two records that i was involved in dan just uh maybe that was the key you need to get me in on this That's mix. absolutely the key i had to have the <laughs> magic <laughs> I wasn't looking for that answer, but I got it. <laughs> fishing, so, fishing and got one. Got it. Reel got that it. one. Get it. Reel it in, folks. 
So, well, thank you for coming on and uh, sitting here listening to me bitch about Stranger Things. Thank you. uh, Season two. So uh, until next time, folks, I said this last episode, but I'm going to say it again. The next episode you're going to hear is about is me and Andrew Shearer talking about the Mangler one, two and three. Uh. So until then, folks, take it easy. You can find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, YouTube, and anywhere podcasts are found. Please, help us by subscribing, rating the show, and giving us a review. It helps us get the show out to more listeners. Also, If you would like to hear more of the show and be a more active participant, join the Astro Radio Z Facebook group and page, and join the Patreon. For only $1 a month, you get bonus episodes. Thank you for listening. See you next week, Astro Zombies. The bones are scattered Dimly the torch is lit This is the toiling inside of you Does it